In this fire family, God, we're so grateful for what you are doing to grow us, to stretch us, to cause us to be devoted completely to you. Lord, we thank you for all that you are doing. But Lord, right now, over these next few moments, I ask that you would continue to allow us to see more of your truth, to receive wisdom from you, that there would be a spirit of wisdom and revelation flowing freely in this house today. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would open our eyes to see you, Jesus, to know your nature, to know who you are, to be known by you and loved by you and experience that in greater measure, that you would open our ears to hear what your spirit is saying to us as individuals and as a church. Lord God, that you would open our hearts to receive all that you want to instill to us today. Holy Spirit, take over my words and speak only what you want to speak that you would be glorified in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. If you're in agreement, shout amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. Oh, the Lord is good. Isn't he faithful? Hallelujah. Love the faithfulness of the Lord. (laughs) Love that smile, see? (laughs) There it is again. Who's been experiencing more, more of the goodness of God lately? Yeah, amen. Amen. I see more hands that have gone up than are, that, are, that are left down. So that's, that's an encouragement to all of us this morning. Not that the Lord has left any of you out. No. It's just an encouragement that it is the Lord's desire this morning for us to experience his goodness. His goodness. Well, last week... It was an awesome time in the presence of the Lord. How many of you were really just, really felt a sense of freedom after you left this house that God granted us a spirit, really, of repentance, a spirit of just just really allowing his searchlight to come upon us? And it wasn't condemnation. It was the love of God drawing us to repentance. It says in the word of God that it's his kindness that leads us to that place. It's his mercy, it's his compassion that leads us to repentance. And so the Lord did that, and when we left here, I know I did, I felt, felt a level of freedom that I haven't felt in a while, and I know that some of you have testified to the same. So praise God, the Lord is moving, and he's going to continue to set us free. There's some times when we think that we don't need to repent anymore. Can I tell you, don't listen to that lie. I'm not saying that the blood of Jesus isn't powerful enough to cover all of your sins. Of course it is. The price has been paid. Everything is done at Calvary. But my goodness, there's times in our flesh that we need to realign with the Lord and allow ourselves to come back to center. So this morning, I'm going to speak to you on a topic, and I'm going to ask for the Lord. Again, we already prayed it, but that he would anoint this this morning because I know this is a challenging subject for most of us. And we're going to cover lots of areas, but just get it out in the open. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit more about money today. And for three years, I think, or this is my fourth year uh, being lead pastor in this church. Help me if I'm wrong. I don't think I've ever spoken a message dedicated to generosity or money. Have I? Help keep me accountable. So I want you to understand, my heart is not to coerce you. My heart is not to gain anything from this. My heart is for you to see in the word of God where there is so much freedom and so much blessing concerning having a heart that is full of generosity and love 
It's more than just finances. Hear me. Generosity covers everything. It should be the way in which we, we roll, the way in which we live and have our being because our God is a generous God. He himself gave his own son. Therefore, in everything that we do, we should be givers more than hoarders and those that heap up things for ourselves. I don't care if that's friends. I don't care if that's finances. I don't care if that's houses, boats, things in this world. It doesn't matter what it is. We should be so open-handed that the Lord can entrust us with so much. There's such a sobering word that Jesus gives. I believe it's in Matthew. Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. But there's a passage that says, if you can't be entrusted with unrighteous mammon, how can you then be entrusted with that which is spiritual, that which is true, that which is, which is worth so much more? And so there's definitely a strong connection there. And I know that some of the things I may say today may, may cause you to, in the flesh, want to resist. Can I say, just be open? Just be open. Let's just say, Lord, show us. Show us all. I'm not going to stand up here and say I've got it all figured out. But I believe the Lord has shown me some things that he wants me to present to you. And a lot of what I'll share is simply the word of God. So you take it and you read it for yourselves. You invest in it and find out what the Lord is saying to you. Amen? Okay, now that that's out in the open. One of our core values You guys remember we started a series a while back on the 10 core values that we have as Fire Church. Well, one of them is actually that we are extravagantly generous. Extravagantly generous. And let me read the statement that we put together. We value the opportunity to give more than when we receive. That's the declaration I'm making to you today. That we as Fire Church value the opportunity to give more than when we receive. There's such freedom in it. We see God's nature as extremely generous, withholding no good thing, and abundantly providing for his own. It is in our natural response to his goodness that we give first, give joyfully, give sacrificially, and give often. We freely share our finances, our resources, our time, our strength, and our spiritual gifts, understanding that everything we have comes from him. Everything we have comes from him. Again, I already gave you a disclaimer. I'm not taking up an offering at the end of service. This is solely so that your heart can be connected to the heart of God. Okay? In Proverbs 11, 24 and 25, it says, There is one who scatters yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich. And he who waters will also be watered himself. How many of you have lived that proverb? How many of you have experienced when you have watered others, when you have been generous to others, you yourself were refreshed? I'm not saying instantaneously. Sometimes that happens. We don't give to get. We give because that's what we do. That's who we are. That's who we are. We trust him. We trust in the Lord. And it was confirmed even during our marriage conference yesterday. Uh, Jimmy Evans was speaking and he was talking about uh, conflict in marriage and different things. Obviously, finances is a huge issue in, in, in marriage at times because we have differing opinions. And guess what? We have, we, have, we have some flesh to deal with. 
Well, I don't care if you're married or not. I mean, I do, but it doesn't matter if you're married or not. There's still something tied uh, to, to, to the way that we deal with, with our finances. And he brought up the Lord's Prayer in Matthew, and maybe you understand this already, but there's a powerful truth laid out in the prior, priority of the way that Jesus prayed. He says, Lord, our Father, our Father, our Father which art in heaven. He brings us collectively into the household of faith, allowing it to not just be his Father, but our Father. We understand that. But then it goes into a couple of different things, and it basically asks for his will to be done first, right? That we would have his will, that his will would be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. To get his vision first, and then it goes into later, give us this day our daily bread, right? So it's, Lord, give us your vision, give us your heart first, and then give us your provision. Give us your vision, then give us your provision. And that's the way things happen in our lives. If we have God's vision, if we have his heart, if we have his understanding, the, the provision follows. Sometimes we go to the Lord, give us your provision so that I can operate in your vision. That's backwards. It's, Lord, give us your vision, and the provision will come. That's for you in your ministry. That's for you in your relationship. That's for you in every single area of your life. Lord, let your will be done, and you're going to take care of all the rest. We went into the scriptures in Matthew talking about don't, be anxiety, don't have anxious hearts or anxiety or worry about anything in this life because the Lord will take care of you. If he takes care of the birds of the air, will he not so clothe you? If he takes care of the lilies of the field, will he not so much clothe you? The Lord is faithful to do it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Generosity is one of the ways that God has provided to man to reveal God. To reveal God. This is important for us to understand. Because if we recognize that generosity isn't about just simply an act that we do or behavior that we have or even a mindset, if we recognize that generosity reveals God to mankind, then we're going to want to be a more generous people because we want people to encounter God. People should know God by the way that we are so generous. By the way that we are so selfless. Why? Because it's a stark contrast to the world which says, Everything has to be for us. I trample on everybody in order to get to the top. I don't care what you go through as long as I'm okay first. Then maybe I'll have something else to do with you, but you know what? It's me first. Me first. Me, myself, and I, my kids, my family. You get the picture. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is the antidote to being possessed by the things of the world. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the only way for us to be, this is what we did in, in the sanctuary last week. And we should do this all the time, but Lord, we empty ourselves so that you can fill us. Empty ourselves of everything, God, so that you can fill us with your spirit, with your heart, with your motives, with your truth, with your wisdom. Then what pours out of that? It's something beautiful. It's something pure. It's something that cannot be manufactured in this world. The greatest assembly line. I don't care how great Apple is at spitting out phones and different tech. I don't care what company you could think of. Big oil in their production or whatever it is, perhaps. 
I don't know if I should say that thought or not. I'm just going to say it. Okay, maybe as good as our government is at printing money. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying. It doesn't matter those things. When, when there's something pure that comes out of us, it's greater than all the rest. Worldly wisdom encourages you to save for tomorrow, but kingdom wisdom encourages us to give like there is no tomorrow. I'm going to say that one more time. Worldly wisdom encourages you to save for tomorrow, while kingdom wisdom encourages you to give like there is no tomorrow. I'm not saying there isn't wisdom in allowing yourself to plan for your families. I'm not saying if you have a 401k or any retirement plan this morning that you are in sin or that's not of God. No, 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 not at all. I'm saying the heart motive this morning. The wisdom of God says our posture should be we're not looking onto tomorrow to, to make sure I have provision for tomorrow all the time. Our main focus is God. Our main focus is God. What are you leading me to do? How can I give more should be our posture. How can I give of my time more to my kids? How can I give more emotion to my spouse? How can I give more of what you have given to me spiritually to those that you're wanting me to disciple? How can I give more of the word of God that I know but a generation doesn't know? How can I get that out? How can I give you, God? How can I give what you have entrusted me with? If I've encountered your presence, I want other people to know what it is to encounter your presence. If I've seen you, I've got to describe you to somebody. If I've seen the glory of the Lord, there's somebody that needs to see my perspective. Not because I am great, but because I have one view of that perspective and they have another. And if they see mine, they're going to see Jesus in greater measure. To be generous with our hearts and with our lives. In 2 Corinthians 9, 8, it says that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. That was Paul's prayer. One that, that walked with the Lord. Can I tell you, he understood something about the abundance of our God. And he so desired all the saints, every member of the church, to be able to walk in abundance in all things. In all things. That means all things. That means finances. That means when you're struggling with fear in your heart, that you have an abundance of faith rising up over you that dispels that fear. The love of God come, go, goes over you and it compels that fear to leave. That there would be an abundance that you wouldn't be lacking in any good thing. Luke 6.38 says, Give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over it will be poured into your lap. Our God is a God of abundance. Our God is a God of generosity. I want to give some declarations to you this morning, and we're going to go over this before we get further into the Word of God. But I'm going to say it, and I want you to, to repeat it. I apologize, it's not up on the screen, but it's going to be simple enough for you to repeat. And I want you to believe this with all your heart, even if you don't see your current present circumstance operating in line with what we're about to declare. We're speaking into your destiny this morning. So the first one, I am blessed and I rejoice in blessing others. Can we say that together? I am blessed and I rejoice in blessing others. This next one, I am generous with my time even during the busy seasons of life. Okay, let's say that together. 
I am generous with my time, even during the busy seasons of life. Next one. I overflow with delight as I generously give to the Lord and to others. I overflow with delight. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. I, I was going to read it one more time so that we can be on the same page. It's a little bit longer. I overflow with delight as I generously give to the Lord and to others. So let's say that together. I overflow with delight as I generously give to the Lord and to others. This one, next one's fun. All right. I am on a generosity rampage, seeking whom I can bless next. Okay, can we try this? I am on a generosity rampage, seeking whom I can bless next. You can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. Now, this one I may just have to declare over you because it's a little bit longer. I do not worry about lack. We'll just, let's break it up into that. Okay, say that with me. I do not worry about lack. Knowing God will supply richly all of my needs. Knowing God. <laughs> oh, you got it. You're getting it good. I'm loving this. Therefore, I am able to sow freely and liberally. Okay. I am able to sow freely and liberally. Okay, next one. Going on with the scripture that we just read. Because I give, I expect a return that is of good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, and pouring out. We'll get that. Oh, come on. <laughs> Some of you declare that every morning, or at least for many years you did. We need to do this again because... For some reason, you know, you find yourself in places, well, you know what? It really isn't pouring out and running over. It's, it's not pressed down. It's scattered. <laughs> what do you want to see in your life? I'm not saying just name it and claim it this morning. I'm saying the truth of God's word says that. So we're coming into the truth and alignment with God's word this morning. Okay? So because I give, I respect or expect a return that is of good measure Pressed down, shaken together, running over, and pouring out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How about this? I give grace generously to myself and to those in my family. Let's say this together. I give grace generously to myself. And to those in my family. I gave you a little pause there because you had to think about that for a second. Going along with that, I am generous with my love, patience, and kindness. Okay, let's be generous in those areas. I am generous with my love, patience, and kindness. Now let's proclaim this over ourselves as well. Because I carry the DNA of my Heavenly Father... And because he is a generous daddy, my DNA is infused with generosity. That's a lot of words, but you get the idea. Let's break it up. Because I carry the DNA of my heavenly father, and because he is a generous daddy, my DNA is infused with generosity. 
I have the unique ability to know when God is highlighting someone I should bless generously with time, money, or any other resource. I'll say that again and then we'll try it. I have a unique ability to know when God is highlighting someone I should bless generously with time, money, or any other resource. Let's try it. I have a unique ability to know when God is highlighting someone I should bless generously with time, money, or any other resource. Last one for right now. When others are generous towards me, I receive it with gladness. And this may be one of the hardest ones for you. How to receive a blessing. When others are generous towards me, I receive it with gladness. Let's say it. When others are generous towards me, I receive it with gladness. I receive it with gladness. Those are some powerful declarations. They may seem simple all on their own. But if we walked in just that, my goodness, the world would be wondering what is happening with those people. What is happening? What on earth is happening? Your bosses will look at you and say, I know how much I pay you. How is this happening in your life? I'm being serious. How many of you understand the power of giving? How many of you understand when it doesn't make sense, you've given all you have, you looked at your budget and you said, okay, God, I'm giving you the first of all I have, regardless of what I see. And mathematically, it doesn't make sense that you're going to be able to pay your bills, but all of a sudden those bills come and they're paid. All of a sudden there's more left in your bank account and you don't understand it. There is a truth to this that we all need to understand. I'm going to get into the issue of tithing in just a second. And many of you are going to get upset about it. But this isn't about how comfortable you can be or whether or not you can say this or that. I'm not going to say you are commanded to tithe. Because it's not a command for you to tithe. But if you don't understand the, the blessing that God has in store because it is a principle of how he desires his people to work, you're missing out on so much. You're missing out on so much, and that's why I want to present it to you. Okay, got quiet. <laughs> I want you to break off these common lies as well that would say, if I am generous toward others with my time, money, or any other resource, I will run out of those things for myself or my family. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That's worldly, earthly wisdom that would make you think that if you give away, you, you don't have any. Of course, if you were to look at a, a, a jar full of something and you poured it out, it, would, it just seemingly would go empty the more you pour it out. But in God's generous way of providing for his children, there is no lack. It's just like the giving out of the fish. It just keeps on multiplying and multiplying as there is need. It multiplies. The Lord knows exactly what we need. Fire Church, I'm giving this to you because I want us all blessed. I want every single one of you walking not in poverty, not in lack, not in a place where you don't understand who your source is, but all of us operate in such freedom from this that this is not an issue. This isn't the number one issue that we think about every day. How am I going to make it? Or th this big struggle comes or this curveball comes, car accident here or something with your home over here. 
You're not going to fret over these things. You're not going to fret because you know where your source is. Every single thing. And you're going to be declaring these things like we said. I'm on a generosity rampage. Let's just see how big God is. This is the only area in Scripture where God says, test me in this. The only area. How many of you have tested him in this lately? Okay, a couple of you. Good, good. But many of us don't. It's just, a, just another area for the Lord to say, hey, let's, let, let's, let's walk in this. And then, then the other lie, it is difficult for me to receive generosity from God or others. Let's break off that lie right now. That's a lie from the pit of hell. It is not difficult for me to receive. It's easy for me to receive. It's easy for me to receive. Not to come into a place of just expecting that. Just, just, just being as some would get bent out of shape and say, I'm not a mooch. You know, I'm not somebody that's just trying to leech on to somebody and suck them dry. No, when somebody blesses me because the Lord told them to, I'm going to receive it. Because I understand the principle of blessing. I understand the principle of generosity. I understand the multiplication that happens for that person's life. That this isn't about me at all. This is more about what God wants to do through them and what he wants to multiply through this process. Yeah, we did, we did that earlier, but we're going to do this one more time. When others are generous towards me, I receive it with gladness. Let's say that. When others are generous towards me, I receive it with gladness. It is not too difficult. It is not too difficult. Hallelujah. And you shall remember in the verse, uh, let's see, Deuteronomy 8.18. It says, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Proverbs 10.15 says, the rich man's wealth is his strong city. The destruction of the poor is their poverty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's some more declarations that I want us to give at the end. I'm gonna, I was going to do it here, but I think we've declared enough just for a moment. I want you to turn in your Bibles right now to Deuteronomy chapter 14. Deuteronomy chapter 14. How many of you know we need, we need an abundance theology? We need an abundance theology, not, not just simply getting by. There's a few principles I want to release to you. And out of the Amplified Version in Deuteronomy chapter 14, starting in verse 22, it says, Every year you shall certainly tithe a tenth of all the yield of your seed which is produced by your field. You shall eat the tithe, the tenth of your grain, your new wine, your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and your flock before the Lord, your God, in the place where he chooses to establish his name. In the Amplified, it says presence, where he establishes not only his name, but his presence. You can underline this next statement in your Bible, so that you may learn to fear and worship the Lord your God with all filled reverence and profound respect always. Always. How many of you have ever prayed, Lord, I want to fear you. I want to worship you with all of my heart. I want to learn to know you in deeper ways. Always. 
God is saying to his children, to the Israelites, if you worship in this way, you're going to learn how to fear me always, to reverently serve me always. If you want that, we need to grab a hold of this. If the place where the Lord your God chooses to set his name or his presence is a great distance from you and you are not able to carry your tithe because the Lord your God has blessed you with such an abundance, it says in the Amplified. Verse 25, then you shall exchange your tithe for money and take the money in your hand and go to the place of worship with the Lord your God chooses. You may spend the money for anything your heart desires. This doesn't get preached a lot. (laughs) I understand that there's a lot of greedy ministers. I understand that there's a lot of greedy churches. Can I tell you, this is not one of them. This is not one of them, and I believe that when we understand God's heart behind all of this, there's going to be so much freedom, so much freedom in this place. For oxen or sheep or wine or other drink or anything else you want, you shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice, you and your household. Also, you shall not neglect the Levite who is within your city gates, for he does not have a share of land or an inheritance among you. At the end of every third year, you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce for that year and shall store it up within your city gates. Verse 29, the Levite, because he has no share of land or inheritance among you, and the stranger and the orphan and the widow who are within your city gates shall come and eat and be be satisfied. So that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. How many of you want the blessing of the Lord in the work of your hands? I want the blessing of the Lord in the work of my hands. There's a prescription here already that you're beginning to see. There's a tithe. There's a tenth that they give. They gave of their first fruits. They gave of what God had blessed them with. And for those of you that think that God is a stingy God or trying to rob you of something, what did it just give you an example of? He said, you can't make it to to the place of sacrifice. You can't actually do what you're supposed to with that that first. Go ahead and sell it and then take it and do whatever you want with it. Be blessed. Be blessed. Why? Because our God is a generous God. Some of us take that probably and they're like, oh, that means every time I can do this. No, no, the heart is that we live in a place where God is always first and he provides supernaturally and abundantly in every area. And then it gives you focuses on where you should give, how you give unto the the house of God, how you give to the orphan, how you give to the widow, how you take care of the poor among you. This is in the heart of God. This is in the heart of God. Deuteronomy, flip the the page to chapter 15, verses 7 through 11. I'm going to read quickly through this. If there's a poor man among you, one of your fellow Israelites, in any of your cities in the land the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not be heartless. In Jesus' name, we will not be heartless. Nor close-fisted, close-fisted with your poor brother, but you shall freely open your hand to him. And shall generously lend to him whatever he needs. Beware that there is no wicked thought in your heart, saying, The seventh year, the year of release, remission, pardon is approaching, and your eye is is hostile or unsympathetic toward your poor brother, and you give him nothing since he would not have to repay you. For he may cry out to the Lord against you, and it will become a sin for you. Verse 10. 
You can underline this entire verse. You shall freely and generously give to him, and your heart shall not be resentful when you give to him. Because for this generous thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all your undertakings. Again, you just raised your hand a moment ago saying you wanted the the work of your hands to be blessed. Do you see how this takes place? Verse 11, for the poor will never cease to be in the land. Therefore, I command you, saying, you shall freely open your hand to your brother, to your needy, to the poor in your land. We should always be ready to give without any type of angst in our heart. Do I understand we, we need to exercise wisdom in this? Absolutely. Do I say you willy-nilly just give, give, give without, without thinking or without even asking the Lord? No, no. I don't want to spend a lot of time here. I'm just simply saying it should be in our heart first to want to give. If that's there first, you know your heart's in the right place. It's when the Lord tells you don't give that you, you respond in that way. The generous heart of God is always to bless, but you respond out of obedience to him. Okay, Deuteronomy 23, verse 19, you shall not charge interest to your brother. Interest on money or food or anything that is lent out at interest Verse 20, to a foreigner you may charge interest, but to your brother you shall not charge interest. That the Lord your God may bless you in all, in all to which you set your hand in the land which you are entering to possess. Wow. That's in the Bible? Seems, it seems a lot better to charge interest if I give somebody. What's in it for me? Now, the Lord's generosity is a lot different. This is for your brother. This isn't for those that are outside of the house. That's basically giving you an understanding. When there's needs among you, sometimes there's times when the Lord wants you to just simply give and forget about it and allow it to be a blessing, the Lord to take care of it. There's other times when he wants you to lend, and that's okay, but you don't charge interest because you're not trying to take advantage. You're being a blessing. There may be ways in which lending is a way in which you are teaching somebody good stewardship, how to actually manage what they have, and God will allow this to be a way in which that happens instead of only giving every time. You understand the complexity of this? Okay. Deuteronomy 28. And this I really want us to hear because the Lord wants us blessed. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy 28, and again, I'm still reading out of the Amplified Version. Verse 1, now it shall be if you diligently listen and obey to the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all of his commandments which I am commanding you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. All these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you pay attention to the voice of the Lord your God. Hallelujah. Proclaim this over your household. You can do this on a daily basis. If it's not written somewhere, write it and put it up on the wall. Write it over the doorpost of your home. You will be blessed in the city and you will be blessed in the field. Look at how many times it says this word blessed. The offspring of your body and the produce of your ground and the offspring of your animals, the offspring of your herd and the young of your flock will be blessed. Your basket and your kneading bowl will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in, and you will be blessed when you go out. The Lord will cause the enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before you. They will come out against you one way, but flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command blessing upon you in your storehouses and in all that you undertake, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives to you. 
The Lord will establish you as a people, holy and set apart to himself, just as he has sworn to you. If you can keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk, that is, live your life each and every day in his ways, so all the peoples of the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they will be afraid of you. (laughs) Why are they going to be afraid of you? Because you're so blessed. Has anyone ever been afraid of you because you were so blessed? Wow. The Lord will give you great prosperity in the offspring of your body and in the offspring of your livestock and to the produce of your ground and the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open for you his good treasure house, the heavens, to give rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. And you will lend to many nations, but you will not borrow. The Lord will make you the head or the leader and not the tail, the follower. And you will be above only and you will not be beneath. If you listen and pay attention to the commandments of the Lord your God, which I am commanding you today to observe them carefully, do not turn aside from any of the words which I am commanding you today to the right or to the left to follow and serve other gods. Such power in this blessing. Now I'm stopping here for today. But those of you that know this chapter know that the next stage is talking about the cursings that take place when you don't obey God. And it's actually longer than the blessings that were just listed. I'm not trying to allow us to come back into a law mindset, into a legalistic mindset this morning. I'm talking about the principles of God. The law was concealed in the Old Testament, but revealed in the New Testament and fulfilled through Jesus Christ. The heart of the matter is the Lord wants to bless us in every one of those areas to allow his people to be set apart. He doesn't want us to be cursed. He doesn't want us to be in the opposite or antithesis of anything that I just read. But the heart is he wants us to know him, to trust him, to simply listen and obey. It always comes back down to that, doesn't it? To listen and obey. To listen to what the Lord God says and then be obedient exactly with it. Stick with me. There's a few more things that I must share with you. God must be first. Can we agree on that? There are more than 500 verses in the Bible concerning prayer. 500 verses. 500 verses concerning faith. But there are more than 2,000 verses on the subject of money and possessions. 2,000. Jesus talked about money in 16 of his 38 parables. Clearly, from the Bible's standpoint, we need to understand money and how to handle it. Why? Because money is actually a test from God. Money is our test. He says, test me in this, but in actuality, he's testing you in this. When we talk about the tithe, the tithe, I I could sit down and talk to you all day. For a long time in my life, I was so bent out of shape about tithing personally. Personally. My parents understood it. They did it all the time. I saw it exemplified in their lives. They got their increase, they wrote out the check, they, they, they gave it in the offering at church. They understood what that meant. They taught me how to do it when I would, would, would sell things, you know, as a young child and stuff like that. And to this day, I still tithe. I always did it, but there was still something in my mind that would, from time to time, get bent out of shape about it. Have, have you ever been there? 
We're talking about money. I know it's true for all of us. If there's one person in here that says that never entered my mind, you're a liar. <laughs> and the fear of God is not in you. No, I'm just, just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm, just, I, I, I'm being playful this morning. But you need to understand, the, pri, the, 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 the principle of the tithe predates the law. It predates the law by thousands of years and then multiplied into different generations through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the God of our forefathers. For 400 years, even before there was the, the actual law that was given through Moses, the tithe was given. And in essence, it actually goes all the way back to Genesis. I'm, I don't have enough time to go fully into this. But you need to understand, even Genesis, when he said, you can have all of this garden, but don't eat of the fruit of this tree, he was giving you the principle of there's something that should always be set aside as holy unto God. Always. The principle was from the very beginning. The principle of the first fruit was the way in which worship started with Abraham giving of his firstborn son. Giving of his firstborn son. Let me read just a couple of things to you. I'm not going to hold you too long, I promise. But there's a principle in all of this. How you handle money reveals volumes about your priorities, loyalties, and affections. In fact, it directly dictates many of the blessings you will or won't receive or experience in this life. The very first principle we must grasp is the principle of first, first fruits, also called the principle of the firstborn or the tithe. If God is first in your life, everything will come into order, and, and exactly the opposite is true. If God is not first in your life, nothing will come to order in your marriage, on your job, in your health, in your finances, your family, your career, ministry, nothing. If God is not first, everything will be in chaos. The essence of Paul's message in Romans eleven sixteen: for if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. The root is, if the root is holy, so are the branches. There's a message in this that our first brings forth supernatural blessing. We think about the story of Abel, Cain and Abel. You remember this in Genesis? Do I have some church folk here? Okay. You understand that there was a fight that took place over an offering, over worship. We find the example in Genesis 4. And in the process of time, this is verses 3 and 5, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering to the, of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, the one who brought the firstborn, but he did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell, and we know what happened. But there's, there's a lot in this story. There's a lot of debate around this story. But the main phrase that I see in Genesis 4, that first verse, it says, in the process of time. In the process of time. It wasn't that, that Cain didn't give an offering unto God that cost something. It was that he didn't give it first. In my understanding, it's likely that he gathered everything that he had, and then he figured out, what can I give God? Have we ever done that with our own finances? Let me see. Do I have enough to cover rent? Do I have enough to cover all this stuff? Hear me. This is, there's so much depth to this. I'm not saying don't pay your bills. 
I'm saying understand the principle. We give to God first. The first thing that I do when I get my check, it goes straight to God, straight to God, straight to the Lord. Every time, it's, it's not mine, it's his. You can say that that 10% allows the, the 90% to be blessed and redeemed. The way in which the tithe was instilled, again, I see the time going by. I want to give you so much. <laughs> With the firstborn slaughter in worship, you had to have a pure and spotless sacrifice, that first, that first that was given. And if you didn't have one, then you had to have something else that could be redeemed, that could redeem that sacrifice and allow that offering to be accepted. In that same way, what is happening when we give to God first, he's saying that all of you, all that you have will be redeemed if you give of that first. If you don't give of that first, then all that you have is actually cursed. Now, you would say to me, well, didn't Jesus take upon himself the curse at the cross, all the curse? Yeah, he did, but can I say some other things to you? Have you ever experienced sickness in this life as a Christian? Isn't that part of the curse? Hmm. Okay, have you ever experienced any, any, anything else that is a part of the curse in this life? You have. I'm not saying that you can't overcome it and that you're not destined to. I'm saying that you will deal with things in this life. You will deal with things in this life. You could say, tithing, oh, it's part of the law. Well, you know what? Listen to the Ten Commandments. Thou shall not commit adultery. Is it okay to commit adultery right now? No, we all agree on that. Is it okay to murder somebody today? That's still wrong, right? That's law, though. Is that done away with? No, no, it's not. I'm just giving you understanding this morning. That when, we, when it comes to the tithe, this is, not, this is not to allow us to be in bondage, but in complete and total freedom. Complete and total freedom. In 1 Corinthians 16, we read, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. The way in which tithing and the way in which giving works in the New Testament is under grace. It is under grace. And what that means is that takes the lid off of all the restrictions. Just as adultery starts in the heart and murder starts in the heart, guess what? Giving starts in the heart. Tithing starts in the heart. So you should be looking, how can I go above and beyond? How can grace enable me to give more? That's what grace actually does. Grace doesn't look at it and say, what can I get away with giving God and still be okay? It says, how much can I be free to give? Can somebody say amen? amen. We've lived this. We've seen this. He is so faithful. He's so faithful. Jesus echoed this principle when he said, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. Whoever has the first right belongs to God. The first belongs to God. When the first portion is given to God, the rest is redeemed. Exodus 23, verse 19. The first of the first fruits of your land shall, you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. 
Proverbs 3 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. How many of you remember the account of Jericho in the Bible? A couple of things and I'm finished. You remember Jericho? That was an awesome story. They praised and the walls came down and the Lord blessed them, right? But what also happened? You'll recall that the Lord gave strict instructions that the Israelites were not to keep any of the spoils from Jericho. Why? Because it was the first city they conquered in the promised land. They weren't to touch it. That was the Lord's. Everything that God does, he wants your first. He wants your first so that you learn to trust him, so that you learn to be able to receive the blessing that he'll provide afterwards. This is so powerful. Giving is life. In essence, it's not law. It is life. It is life. Then the Lord your God took the man, Genesis 2, and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat freely, eat, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. I say the same thing as when we don't have an understanding of giving our first. When you eat of it, you'll surely die. You're a part of the curse. You're part of the curse. He wants us to bring us to freedom. The tithe, a tenth, the number 10. It's just really a starting point, but just listen to these last things, and I'm asking the worship team to come. The way that the number 10 shows testing. The 10, the tithe, it shows testing. Money shows testing. Let me give you a few examples. How many plagues were there in Egypt? 10. In other words, how many times did God test Pharaoh's heart? 10 times. How many commandments are there? 10 plus several hundred, but we focus on the 10. In other words, how many ways is our obedience tested? The answer is 10. How many times did God test Israel while they were wandering in the wilderness? 10 times. How many times did God test Jacob's heart by allowing his wages to be changed? 10 times when he was looking for Laban. Or how many days was Daniel tested in the first chapter of the book of Daniel? Ten times. In each case, the answer, of course, is ten. The pattern continues in the New Testament. In Matthew 25, ten virgins had their preparedness tested. Ten virgins with oil in their lamps. Ten days of testing are mentioned in Revelation 2. And, of course, Jesus had ten disciples. Just kidding. Just, just testing you. <laughs> well, he had ten plus two, but... <laughs> What's true of the matter, the number of 10 is associated with testing throughout the Bible. It's, it's ultimately a heart test. It says in Malachi 3, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there be, may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. That you will not have enough room for it. That means that the provision and the blessing so far exceeds the need that you don't know what to do. That's God's desire for all of us. If you don't think that that's accurate, you say that's Old Testament, well, guess what? Verse 6 of the very same chapter says the famous verse that I am the Lord your God and I do not change. I do not change. He put it there intentionally so you would understand. He tests us in this, and he wants us to test him in this. 
Generosity, of course, as we declared from the very beginning, we want to be generous in every area of our life. Fire Church, I believe that the Lord is pouring out such a blessing on this household. And I'm talking to family this morning, just for a second as we close. I believe the Lord wants to bless us so that we can be such a light and example in this city. There's so much vision the Lord has given to this house. The Lord has shown me personally in a vision many months ago, and I only shared this with some of our leaders and, and elders, but I saw in my mind's eye, in the, in the spirit as I was, I was praying and worshiping, that there was somebody that had a fountain pen. Or did I share this in the church? Maybe I did, but I'm sharing it again. There was somebody that wrote out a check for $100,000 to this church. $100,000 with this fountain pen. And I believe, hear me, I am not about storing up and hoarding things. I want us to be a church that blesses so much, that blesses so much. I want to be the church that in the midst of Babylon, in the midst of inflation, in the midst of all kinds of craziness, that the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous, and we're able to provide millions for the gospel millions for the gospel. And you hear me, I'm not saying thousands. I'm not saying hundreds. I'm saying millions for the gospel. How does that happen? That only happens if we are blessed. That only happens if the Lord does what only he can do. We're totally relying upon him. But if we don't have the first things first, we're never gonna get there. We're never gonna get there. Can I tell you that literally, just in a practical measure, how many of you like math and are analytical kind of people? Okay, a certain percentage. I know the percentage around the church worldwide that tithers are not very high on the list. And I understand that, of course, in the grace with the New Testament means that you're not required to give a tenth. You're not required to give that. But you know what? I think you should. I really do. I'm not saying that because I'm a pastor. I'm saying that because you need to be blessed. You need your finances blessed. And you need to listen to the Lord when he tells you to give the way he tells you to give and to do it first. Not last, not after the fact, but always first. In everything that you do, when you wake up in the morning, what's first? Is, is it social media? Is it emails? Or is it the Lord God himself? Lord, I thank you for this day. Every day I go to the Bible app first. Even if it's just one verse, I go there first. Knowing that there may be a ton of things that need to go on that day. Every day first, that's what I want my eyes to see. First. It's first. The Lord's going to bless this house. Speaking of tithing, I want to encourage you with this. Sometimes people think that, well, how does the church get blessed? It's just when the wealthy people are able to give. How do you think you got wealthy? How do you think you did? You think it was something that you really did? No, the Lord allowed that. The Lord allowed that. If everybody does our part, there's no, need, there's no reason for a need among us. I did the math. I did the math. I don't know what everybody gives. I choose not to look at that. I get a report with the overall so that I can keep a, a pulse of what's going on and understand what the Lord is doing and, and to pray into that and that kind of thing. I think that's good stewardship and wisdom. But I don't look at your individual gifts, okay? I, I don't want to see that. But I can look and see the count of how many people are giving on a regular basis. You guys are a generous church. You are not the normal. You're not the normal. So I'm not speaking this in condemnation. I'm speaking this because we haven't spoken on it in a long time. And we need the full counsel of the word of God. 
For those of you that have never been a, been a part of this and don't understand the value of giving your first and best to God, if literally everybody in this church that was earning wages gave just a tenth. I know many of you give abundantly b more than that. But if everybody did that, we would no doubt in my mind, conservatively I did an estimate, we would, we would quadruple our, our, our current budget. Quadruple. Do you know what would happen to this city if we had quadruple that budget? We wouldn't, we, we wouldn't keep that for ourselves, guys. We wouldn't just simply pad salaries or do things like that. I'm telling you, we would change this city and we would change the nations. If we would quadruple the budget, guess what? In October, when we have missions conference, we would laugh at what comes in because the church is already providing three times that to our missionaries. Could you imagine that taking place on a regular basis? All because everybody did a small part. Are you understanding? This is why God has it in the Word. He wants His storehouse to be full so that the world can be blessed and can be amazed at what the church can do. That every time there's a need, when there's a need in this place, somebody can't pay the rent and they're, they're faithful to do what the Lord, Lord does, we can easily say, we got it covered. We got it covered. Don't worry about it. The church has come together and we've taken care of it. You've got that financial crisis, we've taken care of it. Because we're a collective family. That's how God desires us to operate. So much so that we don't have to take up special offerings. That's what Paul was saying. Do it, set it aside at the first of the week so that when we come, we can focus on what God wants to do. Focus on what God wants to do. That's, that's one of the reasons God put it on my heart, that we don't take up offerings on a regular basis. You see the little thing in the video announcements? It's not that it's an afterthought. It's that we want to give God complete space to move. And I am trusting, we are trusting as leaders that you're going to be obedient to exactly what God tells you to do. We don't want you to be compulsed. We don't you want you to feel like you're under compulsion to do this. There's no reason for that. The principle is God wants us to walk free, to walk free. I know that was a lot in a short little bit, but I think you got it. Did you get it? Did you get it? Stand with me. I know it's late, but I'm going to declare this over you, and you can declare it with me, these last declarations. In every area of my life, I live in abundance. Would you declare that with me? In every area of my life, I live in abundance. I am blessed to be a blessing. Let's declare that. I am blessed to be a blessing. The next one, I have more than enough to sow into the kingdom of God. I have more than enough to sow into the kingdom of God. Next one, I make great financial decisions. I make great financial decisions. Next one, the distribution of my wealth becomes the answer to the prayers of those in need. The distribution of wealth becomes the answer to the prayers of those in need of my wealth. Yeah. The favor of God weighs so heavily on my life that I am perpetually moving in the right direction to be a blessing to others. I'll say that one more time. That's the longest one here. The favor of God weighs so heavily on my life that I am perpetually moving in the right direction to be a blessing to others. Okay? The favor of God weighs so heavily on my life that I am perpetually moving in the right direction to be a blessing to others. 
Four more. I have divine wisdom and insight in making, when making decisions about my finances. I have divine wisdom and insight when making decisions about my finances. Next one. The wealth that I accrue in my life will be a blessing to my children's children's children. Let's say that. The wealth that I accrue in my life will be a blessing to my children's children's children. Last two. God desires for me to prosper financially. God desires for me to prosper financially. And last one. Whenever I have financial gain, I reinvest well and give generously. Let's say that. Whenever I have financial gain, I reinvest well and give generously. God, we thank you so much for the blessing that you have bestowed upon us as your people, as your chosen people. Fire Church, I speak to you as a generous body. You are a blessed bunch. I speak faith to your hearts to come into listening and obeying the word of God, into complete and total obedience, the joy of generosity, the joy of giving, that your hands would be empty and he would still keep you full, that you would be a blessing everywhere you go, blessed in the city and blessed in the country, blessed in your coming and blessed in your going, blessed in all the hands, all the thing that your hands do, that you would be, you would prosper even as your soul prospers, that as we we come to the Lord in this place of testing. We pass the test, Lord God, and you bestow upon us the release of your provision for what you want to do miraculously in the days ahead. We thank you for it, Lord. We are not in lack, but we are in abundance because you are an abundant God. You bless us abundantly, supernaturally in every area, whether emotionally, whether spiritually, whether financially, whether physically and in marriage, all the areas, God, we receive your abundance today. In Jesus' name, amen.